Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. A former psych nurse and dominatrix talks about the pleasure, pain, risk, and intimacy of needle play. Don't you love it when moms open up? The mom in question today is sex educator and host of the radio show Sex with Robin on BFM 109.6 every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, or you can learn more about Robin at sexwithrobin.com. Enjoy! Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm sitting with my friend Robin Beach, socially distanced, of course, through the computer, um, a fellow sex educator and a relationship coach. That's right, right, Robin? You're a relationship coach? Um, host of Sex with Robin, BFM 109.6, every Monday, 10 a.m. PST or 1 p.m. EST. Um, and that's recorded live. And you can find out all about it and about Robin's coaching on sexwithrobin.com. Welcome, Robin. Hi, Victor. Thanks for thanks for chatting. I miss you. Oh, I miss you too. I miss hugging you. I miss I miss hugging everyone. I miss seeing. We should almost do a session on catharsis at this point, but we originally said needles, so we should stick to needles. <laughs> yes, maybe catharsis should be last. Oh, that's that's very fitting. Um, yeah. So you've actually put needles into my body. Have I? Yeah. That's awesome. You... <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I don't remember. It's 100% okay. I'm. It's it's so funny. It's like when whenever I do something, a lot of times everything just kind of gets samey, and I tend to space a little on who mm-hmm. I've done what with. So, um, was it was it a taste of kink, or did we have like a scene? It was a taste of kink. We did not do a proper scene. Okay. That's that's why. Yeah. Uh, I go through so many people in uh, in one day for sure on taste of kink it, that. It's kind of a blur. Yeah, I um, I'm so proud of Taste of Kink. Like, just as an as an event, I was the uh, lead organizer behind it, and I yes, it was amazing. I was just I'm just so happy with like how well it worked out, and like how many people um, just really have had super positive feedback for it. Um, for people listening, we did a local community event where we had like. 12 to 16 stations where people would set up for kink or BDSM or something like that. And then they would essentially do tasters, but the tasters were done in a quiet-ish, um, large, it's probably like 7,000 square feet. Like it's almost like a school gymnasium. 8, oh, it's like 8,000. Yeah. 8, yeah. Almost like a big school gymnasium. Just sort of like a big open space. And what we would do is we'd have the lights turned yeah. all the way up and it would be, you know, not especially, not especially, um, loud like I said there wouldn't really be any music playing and it was mostly to facilitate conversations between individuals who are mm-hmm. interested in new types of play and people who are really experienced and well vetted in the community for doing those types of play and that you know the board of directors thought oh this person would be really good um you know with with beginners so I, I'd essentially come up with a list with like one or two other people and then we would reach out or I would reach out to all the people and then we would um mm-hmm. I'd make sure to get feedback and like vet the individuals. And then at the end of the day, it was like, you just have this event where 
like it was a oh geez how many hours was it i think we originally booked it for like five hours it was some like insane amount of time for all these people to be con- like yeah. to be consistently doing kink for five hours like especially with like people with whom you don't have intense deep emotional connection like that's a lot of energy it's a lot it's a lot and you volunteered it's so 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 rewarding and yeah it's a a great event it's just very well designed to be a non-intimidating place for people that are just curious interested um and even people that you don't obviously have to go to the tasters so people even family members or friends would just show up just to see what it what all the hype is about yeah like what what is this play exactly and you sort of get it divorced from any power dynamic or like relationship yeah and it's not just, I should say, you know, newbies. Mm-hmm. I have, especially at the needle station, I had people that would tell me, come to me and say, I, I have never done needles before. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You've been around for like 20 years. <laughs> you know, you're a heavy player and a badass. Yeah, I've never done needles. I'm like, what? So it doesn't matter what your experience level is. It's just a really non-intimidating opportunity for you to either watch or try something. Mm-hmm kind of falls back into that relationship anarchisty kind of feel of separating bits and pieces of relationships. It's almost like there's a theme in my life. <laughs> I wonder what that I wonder might what be. that might be, but um but you did volunteer at the needle station. Um, did you do did mm-hmm. you do any other kind of sharps or were you just needles? No, it's just needles. I mean, but I would There's no just about it, but y- yeah, my bad. <laughs> But you didn't <laughs> I did have different sizes and what a lot of my aim was for people that were coming to do a taster, tester, taster mm-hmm. would be, I, I wanted to really show the versatility of needles. So like I, I could do, you could cut someone with a needle, mm-hmm. like that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So um, no, it was yeah just just needles but i would try to show people a lot of the different things that you could do with them and then of course my other really big goal was just to kind of get get that person's toe in because as much as you know use the analogy of dipping your toe in the water it's a needle (laughs) so a lot of (laughs) right but it that that is so what it's like it takes a lot of people sometimes to just take that first little step because there's no little toe the littlest toe is going to be a needle poking you right so but you know there's a lot of build up to that almost like waiting in line for the roller coaster is like the worst part of a roller coaster for me so true um so and a lot of people are like that with needles a lot of people have a lot of fears and uh, sometimes phobias over needles yeah i was and so just to get them just to get them over that little bit and then they're like oh i can do that i feel good and then they feel ready to engage you right yeah that makes sense um i definitely felt that way um coming up on doing needles with you i remember being like kind of sheepish when i came up to the chair um trying to be like really positive and like you know have a decent energy um Mm -hmm. but i think what was so interesting about the experience was yeah the anticipation was definitely the worst part with needles Mm -hmm. yep as a nurse and as a kinkster (laughs) like that's been like the same experience a lot of the times with people with needles there's a lot of i mean there's a common reason that uh people are scared of needles it's just it's a very common fear or phobia Mm -hmm. the the lack of control the unknowing 
um, the association with it being a medical scenario mm-hmm. is sometimes either a fetish for people or it could be a deterrent for people. Can So I just want to paint a bigger picture of you as a person. Can I mention what kind of nurse you were? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I had another. Oh, can I, can I also talk a little bit about sex work stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. fine. So as a former psych nurse um, turned dominatrix, there's there's something about you that almost evokes a sort of Harley Quinn-esque energy. <laughs> it's <is> pretty amazing. <laughs> what? Not like in the insanity way, just like... No. Well, just, just okay. because... You've called yes. me Finn the Human, which was a huge compliment. And now Harley Quinn, also a huge fucking compliment. I think I... You are on a I roll. think I went with Jake the Dog. Oh, do you, oh sorry. Did you say Jake the <laughs> yeah. Dog? That's, that's even better. <laughs> and actually a lot more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, the, the reason I say Harley Quinn is because I think a lot of people who have that sort of fetish for like um, potentially lethal power play, it's like you mm. just have all of this training in all of these different areas that <laughs> I just think like when you put that gestalt together, you're like... Um, a non-insane version of Harley Quinn in a sense. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, I think so. You make me sound really cool. <laughs> you are I'll really cool. <laughs> I, well, when it came to my medical training, because I, I, uh, I did my perceptorship, my first perceptorship in cardiology, mm-hmm. um, and then later went into psych and then went into sexual health. And it wasn't my original intention, but as my work in the medical field continued. I was, I was thinking to myself, okay, cardiology, psychology, and sexual health is like the fucking trifecta of sex. <laughs> and again, I didn't initially intend it that way. It just kind of happened. Um, and I would agree with that. So I'm very, very happy to have the training that I do mm-hmm. because it's been really fun uh, in terms of kink and also uh, with pro-doming as well. I did have clients that knew I had medical training and so they where I was more inclined to get uh, people that had certain medical fetishes. Sure. And and then, of course, with my medical training, that also turned into me doing the needle taster at Taste of Kink right. every year, which I was happy to do. It's just, it, it made me laugh because um, it. I feel like it made the impression to a lot of people that that's, like, my thing. That's, like, my favorite thing to do, that I'm, like, the one with the needles. And I honestly don't do it that much in my like personal time Mm -hmm. it's honestly mostly been the vast majority of my needle play has been professional either in a pro-dom sense in a taster and of course as a presenter i find it so interesting how some of the most um technical tops um tend to be ones who learned something for like the partner they were with at the time Oh, because um, I've definitely met like knife play tops who are exceptionally good with knives. And you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, when did you first know you're into it? And they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, my partner was really into it. So I decided I'd get into it. And, you know, to be honest, like if that ever changed, I don't think I would do knives anymore. And you're like, what? <laughs> but it's it's just service, right? Oh. Service topping. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. So. It is a show about intimacy. Do you want to talk about intimacy and needles? Oh, 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 <laughs> yes. I well, the thing with needles, oh, there's, there's a lot of different 
um, aspects about it or ways that you can play with needles. It doesn't necessarily have to be medical-based or fear-based. Mm -hmm. um, it can be very, very intimate um, because there's a major vulnerability mm -hmm. that's being offered. Mm -hmm. So when you are allowing yourself to have you know, medical instruments yeah. breaking skin, you know, that, that, that does create a much higher risk. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not here saying it's the riskiest thing in the world. I'm also not saying, ah, it's fine. I, if you're going to engage in needle play, please, um, educate yourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you don't know where to do that, contact me. Cause you know, I can give lessons. But, <laughs> um, no, cause seriously, I, there's some, there's a middle ground. Yeah. It is, there are increased risks. Uh, physically, because of course there's uh, bloodborne pathogens and fluid exchange that's, that's possible. There's also um, an increased risk for infection. If you open the skin, it's a lot more likely to get infected if it's open. There's also emotional risk as well, mm -hmm. whether somebody might have certain triggers or fears or e even physically people can faint. Sure. So that's why training is, of course, really important. But the oh, sorry, my cats. That's okay. The get go. She was pushed. She was trying to rub against the mic. Adorable. Um, yeah, she's fun. Uh, so there's a ton of intimacy involved because there's that vulnerability. You're putting yourself at risk for someone else, and oftentimes there's fear involved, or it can just be that not fear, like fear play as in, I'm so scared. Oh, are you going to hurt me? Are you not? It's the, I'm willing to let you do this, or I'm, I'm willing to let you be the person to have this kind of control, which is of course a really big part of kink, the, the aspect of control, giving your control up or taking control, mm -hmm. which, uh, and of course, on top of that, there's what happens to our body when pain is inflicted based on our emotional state. Mm -hmm. Uh, all of the endorphins and such uh, endorphins and the hormones and all of that are often responsible for things like bonding and receptiveness. So there's of course that level of intimacy. There's a, there's a million levels right. of intimacy that can be piled on top of doing something like uh, something that involves needles. Um, needles I think are also really good for catharsis, mm -hmm. but I know that's mm -hmm. uh, a topic we're going to be addressing Probably. Um, there's also the location of the body that can have different responses. For that sure. I really love playing with. Um, so different areas of the body that you can focus on that will more likely create various responses. And so intent is always important, yep. which is why I'm really glad you brought up intimacy. If someone said, I want to do needles and I want it to be really intimate, that gives me a ton of information Sure. that really limits the kind of activities that I would plan. Totally. Um, well, like even like inner thigh skin, like there's something so intimate about inner thigh skin, even though you're not working with genitals. And similarly, um, like, and this is from someone who's like nowhere near as experienced as you. Um, I would say the skin offset from the genitals, like front hip kind of area. Oh, that, mm -hmm. that is a nasty place to do, to do pain to someone. Mm, it's delicious. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I think people think that like 
whatever you're doing, you know, if you were to do that form of impact or needles or, Mm -hmm. you know, clothes Mm -hmm. pegs or whatever it is, if you do that to the genitals, it must be the most intense. And I just honestly don't think that's the case. I would also disagree. Yeah. Like it would be, it would be intense to have them done to your genitals for sure. But there are, there's something about the suggestion that you're, that you're holding, um, like one, it's, it can be really painful to work around the genitals anyways, and you can do things that are really intimate and suggestive, but then there's also that, mm-hmm. like, almost that threat that you haven't touched their genitals yet. And there's something about that still being there that like the air gets heavy with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's just yeah, I, absolutely. musings, absolutely. musings on playing around genitals. I did an entire needle scene with one needle and I didn't poke them. <laughs> I believe that. And it was intentionally supposed to be fear-based. Like, that was the intent. I was supposed to use this needle to scare them as much as I could without poking them. And genitals made them aroused. It didn't scare them as much. And even at one point in the beginning, I was like, nothing's really scaring, nothing's really scaring, and I'm playing around with different areas. And, you know, the one that did it, which brought them and this was consensual to just complete breakdown into tears. I, and I didn't poke them. Remember I put the needle in between their toes. Oh yeah. I can see that. So sometimes you just got to find that right spot. And as I love, I, one of the things I love most about kink is the, the creativity that you can really play with. You can get really creative and there's intuition involved and there's, uh, there's something really satisfying about about being resourceful and intuitive and creative and sinister. Mm-hmm. Yes. A whole bucket <laughs> full of yes. Do you need a moment? Yeah, I was I was definitely like thinking about that and I was like, oh, that sound that feels good. Like just to, yeah. to take a moment to, to have moment. it so concisely summarized felt good. <laughs> And we haven't even started talking about fluid exchange or like, because mm-hmm. so many people, um, you know, especially people for whom other bodily fluids may not be as arousing. Some people find blood super arousing. Oh, totally. This is especially common in my, I mean, this is just my personal bias, but my experience is, it's not exclusive, but it, it tends to be that blood is, seems to be perceived as very intimate among like femmes that I know. Really? It might just be that my bias is like the whole lesbian community seems to be into blood play, but like, <laughs> but it's only like a small fraction of the het community. Oh, so no. it might just be that my sample's skewed because like I know a lot of lesbians that really like blood play. Maybe I feel like all the lesbians I know love wax and armpits. Fair enough. So I don't know, or grappling—that's a big one. Grappling, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but. I guess geographical location also makes, makes a difference. As I've traveled, I see different popular types of play in different communities. There are some sure. cities that love needles, and there are some that have never seen a needle scene ever and are just, you know, jaw on the floor at the idea. So everyone, every community is also different depending on your geographical location. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy um, – I there is something about me that really appreciates spectacle as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I will not be ashamed to admit I love creating a spectacle. Yeah, there's something about or being spectated. Yeah, being like like scene construction, like 
building a scene that is interesting to look at, but that content wise is just like fascinating to be present for. Mm, like mm-hmm. I kind of, I love the, I'm just, I'm such a attention whore sometimes. Um, lo and behold, I have my own podcast. Who knew? Right. Exactly. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I'm with you there. We are promoting ourselves. It's true. So it's true. There's going to be a little bit of attention whore in all of us. I think, I think so. I think any performer needs to have just like a little bit of that, like desire to be seen or validated. Yes. A lot of it is very performative for me. I think it might be just a voyeuristic yeah, I think. Or sorry, exhibitionist kind of thing. Like I love people watching me, um, which is what I love about presenting. I I love having a, I don't know a crowd looking at me for some reason. It might be an exhibitionist thing. It, it might be a performative thing. I feel like it's kind of a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. And so I do, I do love creating a really elaborate scene that is intended for others to watch and enjoy because. Mm-hmm. I want people to obviously enjoy what they're watching, but I totally get off on seeing other people that are watching me and seeing the various expressions, some that are in awe or some that are curious or just, I just love it. I love it. I think it was bigger. Yes. Like I totally get that. I I think it was bigger for me when I was younger and like, as I've aged, it's still there, but it's just become a little more sated and like stayed and like a little less front and center Mm -hmm. i still remember um it was actually brandon who who um tied me up um when we did the mvk pride float um yes yes yes, like brandon did a suspend the rope suspension where i was in rope and did that for like probably 30 40 minutes like it was a pretty long suspension now. That's a long time. But like, that's a long suspension but brandon also did like was underneath me giving me hand support and like just that. like yeah playing around with me in the rope a lot and yeah um it was the craziest part was being in the sun the whole time because you're outdoors for pride but like i was in my 20s then <laughs> <laughs> and i was like woo pride and it was just like <laughs> it's like there's i forget which um adult cartoon where literally a i think it's bojack horseman um, where they're in Hollywood, of course, and some cow off the plane is like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to get into this, this stretch limo and I'm going to put my head through the sunroof and I'm going to be like, woo, I'm in Hollywood. And then she gets into the car and the car drives away and sure enough, she pops her head out and goes, woo, I'm in Hollywood. It's just like the most basic bitch kind of thing you can do. Um, <laughs> but like, that's what, that's what I did. Like when I was in my, that's what, like, that is right. your, being, in your tw- <laughs> being in your twenties for some people. Well, at at the same time, I, I kind of want to, as I'm thinking out loud, yeah, 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 because I can relate to that on some level. But it makes me wonder if, because it is calmed down more, if that's due to age, or if that's due to the fact that I have found mm. really interesting things to do, whereas before I didn't have necessarily the skills or even the knowledge of what it is that I wanted to do to create that effect of you know, shock and awe. Right. And now that I have found the things that I can do knowledgeably and things that I'm interested in doing, I can, it's easier for me to create something that gets the effect that I'm looking for. And I wonder if that might be the same. Ooh, 
That's very interesting. Yeah, I do very much like the idea of helping people and like offering service when I do something like mm-hmm. like if I'm creating art or, you know, some because I really do see, you know, scene design and creation as art, both for the people involved in the scene who are experiencing this. this it, it's never like a perfectly planned thing. Obviously, it's it's usually stewarded or guided in some way, but there has mm-hmm. to be live interplay for it to land for me. So, right. There's obviously those people, but then there's all the people watching. Um, and I think, yeah, there's something about being able to show someone something and still keep the magic. Like you do something incredible mm, yeah. and people are five feet away and they can't reproduce it. Like they have, and it's not because you're not showing them stuff. It's because there's just that much like skill and time and effort that went into it. Or even there's that mm. much of a relationship between you and the person you're working with. Yeah. I, I, I just well, love the idea that they would talk about it the next day and be like, you just had to be there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. That makes me think of back to the tasters and doing needles. When uh, we, we had, would have fluffers. Right. If you recall. Yes, do you remember? I do. I don't know. It was when, yeah, when it kind of first started, especially, there would be people that we called fluffers that essentially would be willing and ready to go volunteer at a station that was empty. Now, in my experience with doing the needle station, it it was almost exactly the same every time. It would be the last station to kind of get really bumping. It was the empty dance floor that people wanted to go dance, but nobody wanted to be the first to go dance. Mm -hmm. And that's when I would usually have either a fluffer uh, or I would bring a, a friend or partner to come. And as soon as I'd get started my list would fill up and a crowd would, would look. And as soon as people are seeing what's happening, they would be so much more inclined to go sign up because Mm -hmm. they are nervous and they're scared. A lot of people are when it comes to trying something new, especially something maybe as, um, as edgy or or taboo as needles. So just seeing it, I feel like was something we're gathering that crowd, not only of course was fulfilling for me, but, it would get people interested and get them to sign mm-hmm. up, I guess, which is the entire point. But needles, that was always how it happened. Everyone was too scared to get started. And then once someone saw it, it would be a ton of people really interested and intrigued. Could you summarize for folks listening what people find thrilling or pleasurable or interesting about bottoming for needles? So that's having needles put in your body other than the intimacy we've been talking about for most of the episode. Are we talking about people that are interested in trying it for the first time or people that do needles? Like, what do they like about it? I was thinking more people who do needles. What do they like about it as as it appeals to new people who may want to try it? Um, Well, there's a lot of people that have uh, the obvious medical fetish. That's one kind of really clear one. But I would say the majority of people that I have engaged in needle play with and I've also bottomed. Uh, for needles as well. I and others, I think the most common one would be the the high that you get from all mm-hmm. the endorphins and the hormones. It's it's a quicker, more intense high oftentimes. You, I mean, you can try to elongate as much as possible, but it's in generally speaking, when it comes to sadomasochism, needles is... Yep a really quick way to get the job done if you're looking for that high. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. 
Um, some people do have like a very direct response to needles, I find. And obviously it depends on how you use the needles as well. I remember you did, mm -hmm. um, you did two needles in me. You did like um, one that was like a straight through and through and yeah, that didn't hurt very much. And then you did one that was kind of like, um, that didn't take quite as straight a path. And I remember being like, that sucked. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> oh, did I? I think I know what I did. I twisted it on you intentionally. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm such an ass. No, it was good. And then you uh, also did, um, you did um, impact play. So there was like, you were punching my yeah. chest right next to the needles. And it felt like you were punching me in the needles, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mostly like to do at the tasters and mm -hmm. information I would kind of just say in general about it for those that are interested. Getting the actual poke of the needle is designed to be as painless as possible. Mm -hmm. Like the actual design of the needle and with how sharp it is, is intended to be as painless as possible. Mm -hmm. That's not the fun part unless that's what the buildup is for. If you're intentionally trying to scare them and get them built up. Mm -hmm. It's what you do afterwards like after the needles are in or what you do with the needles that can really determine what kind of scene you're having or what kind of sensation you're experiencing like you mentioned there's the punching i sometimes will you know grab the skin twist it around um i can poke in different ways i can scratch i can tease there's it's, it's a lot more versatile than a lot of people think totally so it's the fun part isn't necessarily always the poking and that's what people are most scared of and i'm like actually that's the that's the easy part not to scare you and i'll say it's really easy and like you said the first one didn't hurt that was just a typical mm -hmm. in and out and i i'll do that and people are really really scared and i get it in there there's this build up and then i poke them and they're like oh is that it <laughs> i'm like that's not the hard part that's the easy part like, you, well and there's and there's also the piece of like do you want that to be it like do you want to work on like exposure therapy and desensitizing yourself to needles um, oh, exactly. Or, or do you want them to hold fear for you? And like, you know, you can, you just, you build the scene, right? You build what, what that looks yeah. like for you and the person in front of you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say the most, by far the most rewarding part of doing tasters in general uh, with, with needles, but, or, or letting people try or sample things in terms of needles is that I have had a number of people that have come up and said, I, you know, I've tried this once, but I had a really bad experience mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'm watching and it looks like fun. You know, can you do that? And can you be gentle with me? And then afterwards, I've, they, they have said, you know what? I feel so much better. And like, now I actually kind of want to explore this more. Um, and that is 100% the most rewarding part. And as exhausting as Taste of Kink is, that's why I keep coming back. That's mm -hmm. the most rewarding is when people say, you know what, I had a bad experience and I'm really glad I overcame it. And like, thank you for being in a, in a, in an energy that was open and, ah, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn too sure. much, but like doing it right. Yeah, well, I mean, like to show you this is how it should be done, and these are your options, and you are the one that gets to make these decisions. Yeah, uh, as opposed to people, you know, might not have had that experience in the past. And I want to be like, yes, you don't have to engage in needle play again, but you know, it's good to overcome these things. Yeah, and there are ways to overcome those those fears and sort of, like I said, do that exposure therapy, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you can get therapy for free, <laughs> not, not, not that BDSM <laughs> is therapy. Uh, uh, uh. 
<laughs> I don't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, awesome. <laughs> um, I, that's all I had for needles. Did you have any closing comments? No, that was mostly it. You know, if if you want to try it, just make sure that you know who you're doing these things with and whether you're the one engaging or not i think it's good to know that you or your partner are experienced or at least knowledgeable even if you're just kind of learning you need to learn the things yeah and and i would definitely advise especially with edgier types of play that whoever is topping whoever's doing the action that you ensure that they actually do know what they're doing legit Thank you so much, Robin. I appreciate your time and experience. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I I can't take it seriously when you say no, thank you. (laughs) That's what the giggle was. That's what the giggle was. No, thank you. Oh, thank you for that. Good times. That is such a, you know, it's one of those memories in my life that I will try very hard to retain as long as possible. <laughs> up and up until the... I have I have, a, I have like a specific bank in my brain where I'm like, if I lose memories, <laughs> I want to make sure I remember this one. And that is one of them. Aw, I appreciate that. Um, I legit visualize the moment and like put it in the vault. That's a protected, extra protected vault. When Alzheimer's comes for me, that. that will be the last memory to go. Exactly. I got a few. I got a few. But that's one of that's them. That's amazing that, that one of our experiences made it into that bank. It's funny how life is that way. Like, yeah, <laughs> no one planned or expected it. It just kind of <laughs> happened organically. And it was like the best thing ever. Yeah, for sure. It was a very spur of the moment decision where I was like, well, I think I need to just own this. <laughs> you did. I'm so glad that you <laughs> took that step. <laughs> And just ask, because imagine what would have happened if you didn't ask, That's right? true. Wouldn't have, we wouldn't have that connection or that story. That hilarious story. It's, it's a good one. I like it. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash Intimate Victor. You can tweet me at Intimate Victor. You can follow me on Instagram at Intimate Victor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well. <laughs>